is the, is the least known among you. But Janice, starting with her, is uh, an NBC alumni. She goes to church at, uh, here at Grace, and she's got, it looks like, somewhat of a posse here with her today. Um, I invited Janice not only because of her connection with the school, but also because I know that she makes disciples. It's in her DNA. Um, next to her is Mary Heidi, and uh, Mary uh, comes to Grace here as well. Um, I, I invited all of these ladies because I know them personally, and I have observed them over the years since I became a Christian, and I know that they make disciples. I know that they take uh, the Great Commission seriously, and that they love um, particularly um, everybody, but particularly other women as they make disciples. And so I wanted to put them before you. Mary, of course, is exemplary in that. And Kimberly uh, Wielinga is next, and you know her because she is Dan's wife. Um, Jenny, of course, um, everybody knows. And Pam Gannon. Pam taught uh, our psychology class um, uh, up until last year, I think, and also teaches in some of the counseling classes as well. So uh, we are really blessed to have them. They are all exemplary, and, uh, and I think this is going to be, for me, a highlight of chapel. So um, the point of this is to put them before you, saying, essentially, and I know that they'll all go like this, but be like them. Um, that's my hope, that you would imitate them as they imitate Christ, in, in as far as they imitate Christ. I think that they can all say this, and, and they probably wouldn't, so I'll say it for them. Let me begin, then, with some questions. Um, the first one is this. It, Pam, if I may start with you. you may. Why is it important that women obey Christ by making disciples? Why is that an important thing uh, in your mind? Uh, well... Because it is obedience, first of all. You go to Titus 2. You guys learned about Titus 2. Somebody spoke to you about that passage, right, where we are to make disciples. Um, but we want to obey because actually it says in that passage that the word of God may not be blasphemed, that people would not see uh, God's ways as foolish. And so that's certainly um, the, the overarching goal. That would be the overarching goal. Within that goal, I would say, um, because we need to build up the church. We need to build up the church to maturity. And we can do that by helping people be godly women, helping moms be godly moms, helping wives be godly wives, so that they influence their husbands, so that they influence their children. If moms influence their sons, we're raising up godly men. It's, it's an incredibly powerful opportunity for women to disciple other women in all of those ways. Um, two are stronger than one, right? And when you're facing any problem, women experientially understand women because we're women, right? <laughs> it's just making sense, connecting the dots. Um, we know what it's like. We know our struggles more than a man would. We tend to have different struggles than men have. Women tend more toward anxiety, more toward depression. Men tend to have other issues that they primarily uh, struggle with. And so that we have gone through a lot of those things in our own lives, you know, we're, we're all on the path somewhere. And so we've all experienced that of life. And as we experience those things and counsel our own hearts, we are equipped then to counsel other people in those areas. So two are stronger than one. We can understand and relate to one another. And finally, I just say, you know, to sum that all up, um, women need help, right? We just need help. We need wisdom, um, especially in our day and age when the teaching is uh, not great. I mean, if you go to a good church, you get good teaching, but that's not true everywhere. And we still do live in a very cultural world full of um, the aftermath, so to speak, of feminism. 
And a lot of that is still infiltrating what we experience on a daily basis. And so you're going to be discipled by the world differently than you are discipled by God. And so we need that help because it's really easy to buy into the world's system. Pam, that is great. Thank you. Mary, can you add anything to that? You answered so beautifully. Um, another thought I had was, especially in this day and age, women need to connect with other women. There was a time just 100 years ago where families just were closer knit, and the communities were closer knit, and those conversations were happening pretty spontaneously. Nowadays, we have to be more intentional to make sure those happen. We're pretty happy to spend time with our phone as a false interaction. And we really need those true interactions with true people and especially those folks of like faith to help us work through life together. Great. Um, ladies, would you mind grabbing microphones just so that we can have, uh, have it recorded as well? Now, I wanted to start with Pam and Mary. but oh, No, that's okay, Mary. But um, the three in the middle there, anything to add to that? Again, the question is, why is it important that women obey Christ by making disciples? What they said. <laughs> <laughs> what, if I, what if I were to put it in the negative and say, what happens if, uh, if women don't take that seriously? Um, I'll just say really quick, uh, the men aren't going to be able to do that, right? Pastors are not going to be able to, to disciple the women in their congregation. So if the women aren't doing it, um, what you're going to have is you're going to have a lot of broken families. Um, and marriage is under attack in so many ways, um, just destroying the family, destroying our society. So it's pretty important. Mm -hmm. Kimberly, can I begin with you the next one? Would you describe how you have obeyed the Great Commission? Uh, what has it looked like in your life, and how has it changed or developed, developed since you became a believer? Uh, <clears throat> well, first I have to start by saying that I don't really understand discipleship, even until... I got married to my wonderful husband, and I didn't actually attend the Bible college, but I was connected to it through Dan and through, um, I played for the choir and got to know Gail and Mary. And anyway, so, th so through being part of the culture of the Bible college, it opened my eyes to what discipleship is. I didn't know before that. So I was a believer before that, but um, so for me, it was kind of a steep learning curve all of a sudden, like, whoa, this is a whole new way of life that I just hadn't been aware of. Um, so it kind of began when I married Dan and um, sort of early on in our marriage, um, the biggest way I would say that it manifested itself was we worked with the youth group um, here at Grace Bible Church and that opened up opportunities to work with teenage, both girls and guys, which was is interesting. I was talking with Dan about this the other night and realizing how much um, being his partner in life um, he would have guys into our home, and so I got to be a part of that process as well, having these young men into our home, which was really a neat thing. So um, both young men and young women uh, meeting individually or in small groups with young women and then feeding guys waffles. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in the last few years, that's shifted now to uh, college level since he's been at the Bible College, and um, it's been neat to watch. Again, I, I think... When I think about my role as helper, the way the Lord has used that to provide discipleship opportunities in my own life, um, because I'm alongside of Dan trying to help him in his ministry, and that has opened all these doors for interaction with young women, um, mostly uh, young wives and young mothers now, 
um, that I get to be a part of their life. Um, and so there's that aspect. And then just as a family, Dan and I love having people into our home um, because we've been invited into other people's homes <laughs> and learned so much from them that we want to turn around and pass that on to let them come in, see our family, see how we raise our kids. It's kind of ugly sometimes, but to let them see those hard things as, as parents. And, um, and it's been really wonderful to, to get to turn around and now do that to other young people. Um, and then the other aspect that's huge is having kids, discipling my kids. Or, well, first, keeping the gospel before my kids all the time so that I don't know what they're going to choose, but that they know the gospel and are aware of it and um, that I don't ever take for granted that my kids are just going to be Christians, but to just keep pointing them to the Lord. And there's a growing urgency um, in this area as my kids are getting older. They're 10, 7, and 4 and um, you start to realize how few years you have left with them and wanting to make the most of that time and do everything you can to point them to the Lord. And if they choose to submit to the Lord, then discipling them. Um, so Dan and I take that very seriously, uh, our time with our kids, how we talk to our kids, um, the relationships that we're building with them, and um, also inviting them into what we're doing. They are a part of the discipleship process in our home and you know, Forrest and Esther can attest to this because they're at our house often, and um, they're they're just as much a part of it. I feel like getting to love the students and be part of the ministry that we're doing. So that's been really special. Great, Janice. Um, the question is: uh, Describe how you've obeyed the Great Commission. What has it looked like in your life, and how has it changed uh, over the course of uh, since you became a believer? Yeah, it's changed a lot. Um, as biggest thing I can think of is change. So I was just a brand new Christian when I came to Bible college and I um, discipleship was new in that sense because everything was new and I um, was discipled well and so I wanted to make disciples and I wanted to not just just be in people's lives and living a Christian life with other believers and uh, it was really easy when I was single and it was still pretty easy when I was married to do formal things where you're like meeting with somebody one-on-one -on -one or meeting um, in a formal ministry. We helped out with a youth group and we helped out in ISI and we were in lots of formal ministries where we were serving and um, making disciples in that way. Um, for us, it did get substantially harder once we had kids. And, uh, and it was more just a shift is that you kind of realize that now God has given us a new ministry where we are, especially myself being a stay-at-home mom, my primary ministry in life was to raise my kids. And so I still, with one, you know, you still have some free time and I did more formal one-on-one -on -one type things, but ministry became more having play dates with other moms and just living life with other young moms that are experiencing the same thing and then hanging out with some older moms who could disciple me and then as my kids get a little older, trying to hang out more with younger moms um, who it's really such a unique time in life and you have so many questions and fears and I, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I've uh, thought I was doing so much wrong and then actually was told I was doing so much wrong. <laughs> and then, to, but then also encouraged by other people like, no, everybody feels that way. Like, you're really just fine, you're fine. And then continuing on as my kids have gotten older, I do have more 
free time to do more formal ministry. I am helping out with the women's ministry team at the church, and um, that's been a blessing in my life. But it's also been a blessing being part of that. I bring my kids with me. And the biggest thing is, is that I don't want to just disciple them at home. I want to disciple them in the church amongst other believers, uh, showing them the joy of serving other people and showing them, like, if I'm not serving, they're not going to grow up thinking that survey, serving is how you obey God. And so I want them to do that. And even um, we've helped out the last couple years at the Biblical Counseling Conference making sandwiches, and they were asking the other day, when are we going to go make sandwiches? Because mm. it's fun to go make sandwiches for the conference. And, um, and then we homeschool, and part of homeschooling is, is I don't want the focus to be on the knowledge that we're learning. Knowledge is important. Knowledge points to God. Knowledge comes from God. So all those things are good. There's something beautiful in every subject because God created it. But it's also your character. It's who you are. I want you to finish your coloring page, not because you need to color perfect, but I want you to learn perseverance. I want you to finish your coloring page because it's hard to finish a coloring page when you're five. She's like, yes, it is. <laughs> and so that's the focus. And now, uh, just starting next year, I'm going to be directing our homeschool group. And this is I'm really excited about because um, it's a built-in opportunity to be discipling other women, where I am being pushed to purposefully be in other women's lives. And... Um, I'm just really excited about this opportunity that's coming up. And part of it is my girls are now 11 and 9, and so there is more time outside of home. Janice, what year did you graduate from NBC? 2005. 2005, great, great. Thank you. Uh, Jenny, can I, can I ask you that question next? How has discipleship looked for you, and how has it changed over the years? It's taken some odd twists at times, honestly. Uh, it's, it was a lot of one-on-one -on -one and small group. I've actually been involved in college ministry um, probably since I was about 21 um, as a recipient <laughs> of, of input. Um, I wasn't always a ready receiver either. So, um, And then just slowly working onto ministry teams and that sort of thing. I took a little hiatus um, from that as I, I thought God was directing me overseas into missions and so I was involved more in women's ministry and, and missions. Yeah. Um, so my, you know, there was still involvement with people. Largely, a huge piece of it for me has been roommates and living situation. So I don't have a family in the definition of, of what these ladies have had, but um, what you do with your home life is, is still important and, and valuable and, and really a, a neat opportunity as a single person. So I have found that I get way more selfish and ungodly when I don't live with people. So imagine, imagine that. So it, it's been being purposeful of having people in my home. Now, I don't pick who lives in my home, but am I investing in relationships um, with the people that I live with as well as ministry? Am I being real before them? And am I being intentional in building relationship? Now, there isn't always a s significant direction with each of those relationships because they look very different. Uh, it's also looked like with those relationships being a learner, knowing that those people are coming, even if they're less mature than me and, and, and younger than me, they're going to come with a perspective and things that God has, has taught them. And so being always a learner and a listener 
um, even even in the people that I'm meeting with, uh, there's just different strengths and just different wisdom and different things that God has Im, um, imported into those people. Uh, interestingly enough, as I finished my degree here and had, it was dangerous to have a few skills in biblical counseling and a little bit of knowledge, um, God brought some unique situations in my life that included interacting with married women. Um, I would say I, I'm not very qualified um, in that in a lot of ways, but it's been neat to still see God, I mean, without inviting that, seeing God doing that and, and being able to encourage, um, encourage marriages, encourage wives, and, and really God's, God's purpose in that. I, I introduced to a lot of you guys in the dorm meeting uh, last semester, I think, um, just kind of the, the concept, the idea that single people of all, above all should be, be promoters and, and excited about marriage because we are all headed to the marriage supper of the Lamb and we are the bride of Christ. And so seeing what God has, um, how God's design is being attacked in our society, even as a single person, um, it, it's very different. But, but seeing that as, as a, a beautiful thing that God has created, and as single people, we can, we can support and promote that or not. So God's given me some u- unique opportunities that way. Um, and then as I found myself finishing school back in college ministry, um, so uh, I guess that's probably one of the, one of the biggest ones. But, but yeah, just unique opportunities as well um, to know what scripture says about a lot of different scenarios um, about being a woman. I can't help but think as you guys are talking, just the five of you, um, how, honestly, how many people have, and you guys are going to not want me to say this because it's complimentary, but uh, how many people have been affected by you? All of the ways that you've touched other people's lives. I mean, I'm not who's counting, but a hundred years between the five of you of disciple uh, making. And uh, that, it's just, if you could take, if you took that away, I just wonder what the lives of, of the people that you've touched and, and, and helped and discipled would look like. Um, Mary, what has it looked like for you? And how has disciple making changed over your life? Well, it definitely has changed over the course of my very long life so far. Um, a lot of similar things here. You know, when the kids are little, it's hard to get out of the house as much. And we did some creative things. Like I think probably, Janice, when you were with me, I had pretty limited time. So it was like, well, do you want to help me cut up vegetables for my big cooking day? Or do you want to help me fold laundry on my big laundry day? And we were doing something. Or are you going to come with me on my walk? Um, there have been seasons where some gals, the only way we were going to be able to, to visit that week was... Um, I wanted my treadmill and she's on hers, or I was scrubbing toilets and she was scrubbing her toilet, and we just we made it work. So it, it's had to happen in some pretty creative ways. Here at the Bible College, it's very easy. It's kind of a formal ministry setup, as you said. It's harder when you go other places. Um, when Gail and I were going, he was going to graduate school, um, we were going into churches that didn't have discipleship happening. So you'd have to kind of hang back and wait and see who someone was that you was like-minded and you felt would at least be a peer accountable partner. And um, those are blessed, blessed times. I'm really glad I took the time and sought out the time with these young gals and because I was young too at that time. <laughs> um, so yeah, it has morphed and changed through the years, whether it's a formal setting or a less formal. 
one thing about Pam, I, I have taken um, women at, at the outback who I know are struggling with various things, almost immediate, very serious things as well, um, suicide, uh, depression, and so forth. And almost immediately, I love saying, hey, do you know my church has a free biblical counseling ministry? Shall I give you this lady's number? And I think I've passed Pam's number to more women than I know at, at this point. But I remember one time after having done this, a uh, young lady went and met with Pam, and I was excited. To, I was, you know, I was like, "Yeah, Pam is going to share the gospel. I know she's going to teach this this lady truth." And um, the next day that I saw her, I said, "Hey, how did it go with Pam?" And uh, and she she filled up, she teared up and said, "I knew immediately that Pam loved me." Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that's a testimony to you, Pam. But um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm tearing up now. <laughs> but anyways. I guess Pam, it's just Pam loves you too. too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, it's just I feel so much confidence knowing that I can trust the the women who are in my church to to do what Christ wants us to do. Pam, how has it looked differently over the years for you? Um, that is a great question. I got saved when I was about seventeen, and um, I was not in a situation where I was even involved in a church at the time. So I had one Christian friend who happened to live next door to me, and we, I'm not sure you could call it, discipled one another. We actually just met a lot and talked a lot and pooled a lot of ignorance and immaturity. So it really was not necessarily a positive thing. Neither of us were really walking with the Lord, um, really until we moved to Montana. So I got married and, and we moved to Montana, began attending Grace, where for the first time I really learned the Word of God. and. Um, around that time, too, I really wasn't interacting with a lot of other women at the time other than just being fed. I was so immature and so weak, and so I needed to be fed. And so I joined BSF, learned a lot uh, there, and was, fin- was eventually asked to be a leader in BSF. And so then I had a formal ministry, as it were, of discipling particular women that I was having in my group. Um, so I did that. I got asked to be a women's ministry leader for a little while. And um, so we'd had some formal things that we did there. We ran Bible studies and, and we did um, seminars and I would, I would pull up small groups together. I'd just call friends and say, hey, let's start this little group and let's study this book together or whatever. So we did a lot of that, a lot of Bible studies. Um, in 1996, I learned about biblical counseling and it radically changed my life. It changed my marriage, it changed my parenting because I learned about sufficiency of scripture and about progressive sanctification and about my heart and about my idolatries and about my sin. It was great. So, (laughs) yeah, very convicting. Um, But it really did change me a lot. And so um, I began incorporating, obviously, all of those kinds of truths into the interactions with my kids, mainly at first, um, discipling them. I mean, your children at a time, just I, I echo that with the moms here, your children at a, at a season of time are the primary people that you are responsible to disciple and to raise up. And you have a huge impact on them. Um, so did that for a while and then was kind of joined a more formal counseling ministry, so to speak, intensified discipleship um, in about year 2000. And I've been doing that ever since um, alongside other things that I do. But that ministry, we meet usually just once a week, but we text during the week a lot. And I give lots of homework because people don't change in just an hour a week. They need to 
need to incorporate the things we're talking about on a daily basis. My homework consists of, um, I always teach them to pray. Pray for themselves, for their own hearts to be softened, for other people in their lives that they're struggling with. Tell them to pray. I have them read a certain passage of scripture. I have them memorize a certain part of the passage of scripture that they're reading. I have them um, do something about what they're experiencing. So that might include service every week. It might include, I need you to tell me how you've changed in response to what you've learned this week. So if your thought pattern used to go this way, now it's going this way, give me three examples of that. So I give a lot of homework to make it very practical. Um, they are required to attend church uh, once a week. Um, and that's pretty much, that, that pretty much fills up their, their schedule <laughs> to do all those things in homework. Um, so I'm doing a lot of that right now. Occasionally, as Danny mentioned, I do have tougher situations that I deal with, suicidal people, um, women who have been abused, domestic abuse from their husband or um, sexual abuse uh, as children, and they tend to have pretty severe problems when that happens. Um, a lot of times, Dan and I have taken them into our home because that problem is just much more intense than once a week meeting can help with. And so we have them in our home and we try to, try to teach them, just as you guys do, like life on life. What, what does it look like to have a functional family in, in, with people who love you? And when you say have them in your home, you mean live with you? They live with us, yeah. Until, you know, the crisis has kind of passed and we've gotten them kind of stabilized um, in whatever way they need to be uh, helped and then we'll make long-term plans for them living somewhere else after a while. But we've done that a number of times, and that's just necessary sometimes. It is necessary. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. So with five people, I, I can't... The, the different ways that it's looked over the past however many years for each of you is immense. Formal counseling, biblical counseling, to scrubbing toilets and informal, very informal... Uh, to uh, discipling your girls, which, by the way, Janice, you've got to get them under control. Okay. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, having people over at your house on a regular basis uh, and having people even live with you um, for, for years. Uh, speaking of that, then, Janice, um, you lived with the Heidis for some years, and, or for some time. I'm not sure exactly how many. But could you talk about that? What, how did Mary and Gail and their discipleship of you while you lived with them, how did that impact you? <laughs> I got laundry time. That's, that's when we met was when Mary would fold laundry. Uh, but no, it was, <clears throat> so it was in their old place and they purposefully built it so you had to walk through their house to go to your apartment. And the biggest way it impacted me is honestly, I didn't come from a Christian home. I didn't know what it meant to live in with God in the home and so just to be invited into a family where Christ was centered just to see how that played out like honestly little things like seeing Gail and Mary flirt <laughs> and which happened better. too much <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <clears throat> and just seeing the joy in raising kids and the joy in serving each other and just mostly just seeing like even you know, you got embarrassed over maybe dishes out of place, which, but that was just real life, and we were invited into real life, and we were, we got to see them having joy and living real life, and I feel like 
know, having that joy in serving Christ just in the day-to-day, what you call mundane, um, probably is what honestly impacted me the most. Um, and not to take away from the hour or whatever you meet a week, and because that was when my husband and I started dating, and that was invaluable to have somebody who pushed me to... Um, to not just take like the easy way in dating, but to have an incredibly high standard and to pursue that high standard and to uh, have somebody holding me accountable to a very high standard. And now I've been married 15 years and we still reap the rewards of having pursued a high standard in our dating relationship. And that was like a huge blessing. And then even just the philosophy of um, this is what discipleship looks like. It's not just an hour. It's living with people. It's having community with each other. It's sharing my life with somebody. And that, that is what I take away, and that's what I try to incorporate now and what I am doing with my kids and in other women's lives is I don't want to just sit down and preach to somebody. I want to live life with somebody, and hopefully Christ is living in me that they'll see that and we can have good conversations because if Christ is the center of my life, that's who I talk about. That's what I go to when there is a problem. So that comes out and that's what did come out when I was living there with them. And I'm thankful and grateful for that time. Mm, great. When I told, when I told my wife that uh, there were couples that were doing this, having other younger people live with them, um, I said, we should do that. And she said, no. Uh, but maybe, maybe one day we will. Um, let, me, let me go to another question. <clears throat> Kimberly, if I can start with you. When you go to church now and you think about your role within the local church, uh, uh, what do you think about? What is your role as you see it and as the Bible says uh, within your local church? What's your role? Um, well, I, I guess I think think of it through the view of 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the body of Christ, and that's been something that's been a huge thing that Dan and I have been taught in the discipleship process, is the importance of the body of Christ and building that up and serving in the body. Um, and, <clears throat> and we know from 1 Corinthians 12, we've all been given gifts for ministering and for the good of the body. Um, and so trying to use the gifts that the Lord has given me to build up the body and um, to be intentional with the people that are part of the, the local church. Um, and that has changed even through the years with different seasons, um, the different things that I've been involved in and the way I've tried to serve um, looks a lot different. Um, and most recently, um, I've been on an interesting side of that with some major health issues that have put me in a position of the one being served. And that's really hard. but some other godly women have encouraged me and that that's still that's important because there's other people who get to exercise their gifts to serve you um so that's humbling and challenging so um this has been interesting to see the different sides of what my role might be in the body of christ sometimes that is to serve very intentionally and recently it's been to receive the care of the body and um and then just the young people the young wives and mothers is a big part of um, how, how I view my ministry, my role in the church, and couples together. Dan and I like to be really intentional with young couples um, and be a part of their life. 
as I ask the same question um, around the half circle here, students just be thinking uh, what questions you might ask because I want to spend, I want to talk to a couple more about this, their role in the church, but then I want to open it up kind of for more of a Q&A for the rest of the chapel. So Jenny, can I ask you the same question? When you go to church, how do you view your role uh, within the church? What are you, what are you after when you go? Um, I feel like those two questions are actually different. Um, kind of a little bit piggybacking off of what Kimberly said. Um, I, am, I, am, I am serving and I am receiving both and oftentimes in the same, um, in the same moment. Uh, church is family and so um, I look around and, and I see I see members of, of my family, and so it, that spurs me on to build relationships with, with everyone, um, you know, including this grandma that I hardly know who brings her kids, you know, or her, who, whose kids are dropped off to go with her every day and, and trying to, you know, reach out to those kids and, and encourage them in some way, um, knowing that they're their family isn't supportive of them being there necessarily, at least not joining them. You know, it looks like, you know, the youth that I have any kind of connection with continuing to build into and encourage those young ladies that are growing up and, and talking to them about just whatever and then finding them coming up to me asking for prayer when something comes up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it looks like um, some friendships that I've developed that are sharpening me tremendously in discipleship because of, of just that pure mutual accountability. Um, and including, you know, last night, one of my friends known, it's kind of been a tough week for me. So, you know, I'm getting ready to leave the church and she sees me at the end and sits down and pats a chair. She's like, sit down, I wanna pray for you. <laughs> I can feel it, I can see that you need it. And so uh, being ministered to, um, even last night, um, it looks like being just in, encouraged and led in, in worship and prayer um, and in hearing from God, um, both through that community involvement or corporate worship as well as, as just those friendships that I'm developing and, um, and just being, being blessed by the passions of other people. Um, we got some real prayer warriors, some ladies. <laughs> Um, interestingly enough, they're just huge prayer warriors at my church, and so getting to 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 build into that and and receive and just and being just blessed by that ministry of the body um, and how they uh, that is a, a very serious uh, ministry for them and, and being blessed by that. So uh, so yeah, it, it it looks like a lot of different things. Um, it looks like life. The, the rest of you, the other three ladies, same question. Uh, anyone can jump in. How do you view your role within the local church? What's it look like? I'm going to go for it. Um, I would say my role really feels like just being faithful with what's putting in, put in front of me. Um, I sometimes joke that... Uh, when I was a younger person, I always said, oh, the last two things I'd ever want to do for a job is be a teacher or be a housekeeper. And yet that's my life. <laughs> and so, but I have joy in it because God has given me joy in it. And that's my service right now. And even the things I do with the girls, I do spiritual gift inventory sometimes and helps has never been on there. Not even like it's usually way down at the bottom of where I'm naturally 
you know, God has gifted me, but yet that is what God has put in front of me right now is, especially because service is the best way to bring my kids with me to do something, helping out in whatever is just needed behind the scenes. And they love coming with me and just helping them learn how to serve. And so I feel like my place in the body right now is just like, this is what God has put in front of me and I'm going to be faithful to do what God has asked me. Great. And I feel like uh, in counseling, I counsel both uh, believers and unbelievers. Um, We have a lot of people uh, who think they might be Christian, but they're not sure. Or they believe they are Christian, but it becomes evident that they're not. There's no fruit, there's no spirit. Um, So I end up actually counseling a lot of unbelievers. And so that's certainly a role that is used by God to give the gospel. I give the gospel a lot. Um, Counseling is very theological. Um, And then also building up the body of Christ, just when people are struggling, when people are hurting, when they're when they're kind of knocked out of the normal stream of life for whatever reason, you know, some, some event happens to them and they just don't know what to do. And sometimes they just need some encouragement. So a lot of counseling is huge encouragement. You know, you're suffering this time. God is still good and God still loves you. and God is still here and he's still involved and, you know, um, giving lots of encouragement and just building up the body in whatever way people come to me and need. Um, The Lord has called me to a role that no musician wants, and that's to be second fiddle. (laughs) And um, I feel like Gail's ministry is so important. Yeah, he's back there showing his guns. (laughs) But I do feel like his work work here and through the church is so important that it is a very important role to just be supportive of him and not make him worry about the bills because that's taken care of. He's going to have food at the table, just those simple acts of service. Discipling other women is very important. That's our topic today, but that is secondary if if we're a wife to serving our husband. What I'd like to do for the rest of the time, we've got about 13 minutes or so, just do a Q&A. You can can ask your question to the panel or somebody individually if you'd like, but let's go ahead. Let's have a lady uh, start us. I'm going to bring the microphone. Jeanette, go ahead. Just. Yeah, I guess I'm curious because as you guys pour out, you need to be poured into as well. So how do you guys feel like you are discipled now in your stage of life? Thank you so much for reminding us of that. Um, did Brad Miller speak to this group, Danny? Not this semester, Not this no. year? Okay. He's a pretty straightforward guy if you've ever been with him. He was our NAV um, ministry leader when we were in college. And he'd always ask, okay. Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? Who's your Paul? Who's your Timothy? And so um, as I've looked for young gals to pour my life into, I've also looked for at least um, a dear friend who I can tell the toughest things to, who we can pray together for. Um, And that has been crucial and something that you need to seek out because anymore it doesn't happen naturally often. You have to look for that and then make that relationship intentional. Someone else add to that? Yeah, Janice. Excuse me. In the counseling ministry, we have um, we have actually counselors assigned to a group of people, and then our counseling committee. We all pray for one another and sort of counsel one another. Um, I also have a very good friend named Lori, who is very straight, and um, and she's an excellent discipler, <laughs> and she disciples me. 
So you do have to kind of, you're right, you have to be intentional. You have to kind of say, hey, I'm struggling. I need your help, you know, feed into my life. It becomes more peer, I think, yeah. as you get older. It's more likely somebody who's maybe just a little ahead of you in that stage of life, or maybe, you know, you counsel them on this issue, but they counsel you on this issue because they're better at uh, encouraging than you are, mm -hmm. and it kind of is more of a peer thing than it is a, like, official, we'll meet for an hour and I'm going to disciple you mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Maybe I'll just briefly say too, um, there have been times in my life when I have sought out a Paul and um, have not, it has not worked out. Um, either people have, have declined politely, um, not interested, and, and God just hasn't opened up those doors. So occasionally there have been times where I just really haven't had that and, and wanted that, desired that, you know, but it's looked different over the years. Um, and, and I agree, there's, there's a lot of, of peer aspect to it. Um, and also, uh, yeah, just seeking it out as well. There's just kind of both sides of it. Kimberly, anything to add? I just talked to Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Great question, That's Jeanette. Can I get another one? Another question? I'll bring the mic to you. Yeah, Nathan, let me run up there. Um, so a couple of you, of you mentioned um, that as you are doing ministry, I mean, in, in everything you do in life, uh, at the stage that you have children or you, you have your husband, um, you mentioned that you should prioritize them. I think that was the word that some of you used. Um, I question what that looks like, um, like it, it, especially if you're, if you're really involved in a thriving ministry uh, or in a missions field, and, and there's a lot of opportunity for you to speak the word of God to people, and it's uh, being effective, but then you have your family. And you sort of sense yourself like that, that where that balance is becoming uneven and you're pouring too much into like the ministry where you're stretching outward. How do you go about prioritizing your husband, your children um, in those circumstances? Because I imagine that would be very difficult. It's a great question. Um, actually, we, we are blessed when we're married because that's the husband's job to kind of tell us. So, so we're fortunate in that. We really are, because if I feel like, man, I'm getting really stretched out, I can just go to Dan and say, hey, you know, I've got this, this, and this, and this, what do you think? And we can kind of collaborate. Yeah, this is really important to me. No, Pam, I think you should probably really, your gifting is more here. You should really spend more time. In fact, we've had a lot of conversations like that. No, you need to not be doing those things. Yes, you need to be involved over here and doing more of that. Um, but it is stretching. I mean, I won't take away from your question at all. It was a great question because to, to try to be in ministry and then with your family, I think what Janice is doing is great because she's got her girls here and um, you know, just taking them along at, at age-appropriate times in different seasons of parenting, you can certainly involve your kids with you, which is win-win, right? You're doing the ministry and you're doing the ministry with your kids. Um, and your husband. So it is a balancing act always, you know, um, trying to follow the Lord and trying to honor him and work within your giftedness. Try to say, you have to be able to say no. Um, you have to not have fear of man that tells you that you have to say yes to everything. You have to say no to some really good things even. 
I do think Janice is providing a really wonderful example that she isn't like, oh, I can't do ministry because I'm, I've got my family over here, but she involves her family in her ministry as much as is practical and possible, and pro I'm sure you talk with your husband over that. And it's actually kind of an interesting thing because I do women's ministry, um, and Jason, as my husband, he, we talk about it all the time. Like It's a constant conversation because my natural inclination is to say yes. And he is the one um, who actually I feel like really takes care of me and that he, he pulls me back when I'm doing too much. And he's the first one to see the signs in me of I'm doing too much. And he's the one who encourages me and helps me to say no, and, but in a very loving way. And he's also himself has sacrificed for me to serve because there's Saturdays where he'd rather be fishing, but I'm at a women's ministry event doing whatever. And so there's like a loving sacrifice there, but he's also loving me enough to pull me back. And he was a pastor's kid, and so he kind of grew up doing and serving and always being away. And so he's probably even a bit more protective of our time together as a family because he could see uh, some of the uh, detriments of being too involved in ministry. But it's not that ministry's bad or serving's bad, it's just you have to make sure that you are protecting the family because how can you truly honor and serve God if you're fighting at home? Because, and that takes time. I don't think I realized when I first got married how much time and effort is put into um, loving each other. And you have to be together to enjoy each other. And I feel like that's the best example of a godly marriage is just enjoying being together and enjoying living life together. Another question? We've got time for one or two more. Yeah, Stephen, of course you are going to raise your hand all the way on the other side of the room. Jenny, this one's for you. Um, just how do you decide, like, if you're discipling um, at the church, I don't know if you're discipling any young married women or if you've had experience doing that. I'm just thinking for my own wife and um, discipling, you know, ladies with children. When, when we just simply don't have any. Uh, have there been challenges, or have you experienced that? And if there, if, have there been challenges for discipling someone that has something that you just don't, uh, for better or for worse? And, and uh, how, do you, how do you deal with that, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have had opportunities that I've tried to back out of um, at times because um, just feeling inadequacy in in the scenario in the situation. So, um, but it's it's not me that decides my ministry. So, with that said, um, I had somebody tell me once that they appreciated, and, and this was a, a newly married gal who had had discipled as a single person and kind of through the the dating, um, that she appreciated my point of view because it didn't come with experience. So the primary thing that I had to offer her was scripture and what I had learned from scripture and what I had known from scripture and then also the things that I had witnessed um, in lives that didn't follow their pattern, the pattern of scripture. So um, that was unique. I, that was the first time that I had, any, had anybody say that and I was kind of like, wow, okay. That, that's, a, that's a very gracious response on her part. Um, I've had opportunity to 
talk to women about child rearing as well. I don't have any children, although I have a lot of nieces and nephews. I've seen a lot of parenting, and, and, and I've grown in just my understanding of, of some of those things. So um, again, kind of going back to what Pam said, you know, in, in counseling, I mean, we're, not, we're never sufficient in ourselves, right? Never. Um, we're always only sufficient in, in God and in Christ. And so um, what I've seen in the opportunities God has given me is I have, I have his word. <laughs> um, I have his spirit within me, and I have the things he puts in front of me. And so um, it, it forces me in prayer to be seeking him to, to really know should I really be deferring this situation? And sometimes you can't. Um, and then sometimes it just works out that it, it, it does get deferred, but you might have opportunity. So, so yeah, there's been opportunities along those way. I definitely don't look for them, um, but I do have a unique, I have a, a unique view, I guess, as a single person when all I have is, is God's word to go from. So, I don't know. I I certainly don't jump at those opportunities, um, but but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defer them if if that's what the Lord is doing. Is that can I answer what you're asking, Stephen? Which is a good reminder for us. It's as often as you see. Well, this is what I did, and then you have to back up and say, well, what does Scripture say, and did I do the right thing? And so I think it's not wise whether we're experienced in that um, situation or not to base our answers on Scripture. Painfully, our time is up, I have to say. I could easily go on and listen to you speak.